So in 14 AD, Tiberius became the emperor of the Roman Empire, and because of his tendency to be an isolationist, he allowed his Senate member, Sejanus, to exercise effective power. Sejanus begins to appoint the prefix now. And Sejanus was somewhat anti-Semitic. We don't know how anti-Semitic he was, but he didn't really like the Jews. And Pilate was anti-Semitic. So at this point, Pilate was appointed as the prefect. There had been prefects before Pilate came in. So Pilate is much later on the list of prefects. But Pilate's going to stay there for a pretty long time. To understand Pilate, Pilate is coming into power right before Jesus' ministry. It's after Jesus' birth. It's after Jesus' childhood. It's somewhere probably in his 20s and 30s. And Pilate comes into power in 26 AD. Jesus would be about 30 years old, 32 years old. So this is right before Jesus' ministry begins that he comes into power. He is known for his conflicts. Pilate, even though he's a prefect who has military training and has served as an officer, he's kind of on his last strike here in Israel. He's already made a lot of mistakes in this previous, previous providence that he ruled over. And he's kind of on the last strike here. And Israel's kind of like, if you don't get this right, you're, you're going to be sacked forever. And so he's known for his conflicts. One time, Pilate, who doesn't like the Jews, under the cover of night, he introduced Roman standards into Jerusalem with images of the emperor on them. So Roman standards, if you've seen them, they're these long staves that go up into the air vertically. And they would have a banner that would drop down vertically, and it would be attached to these staffs. So it's not a flag necessarily that flies off sideways. It drops down, is held up, and they would march these in. And it had pictures of the Roman emperor on it, and it would have had the Roman eagle on it. So he brought these in under the cover of night into Jerusalem, and this angered them. Because the Jews, you're not allowed to have any graven images. Remember, under the Pax Ramona, Israel was exempt from emperor worship. And Israel didn't have to worship any Roman gods. And they didn't have to worship the emperor as long as they paid their taxes. The Pax Ramona said, don't bring any graven images in Jerusalem in any kind of a way. Because that will disturb the peace and we'll have to put them down. But Pilate was like, I'm going to do it anyways. Because I just want to anger them. Because I think this is funny. So he brings them to the cover of the night. So when they wake up the next morning, they see all these Roman standards everywhere, and they become incredibly angry. They have large hundreds upon Jews. Mostly Pharisees and political rulers gather themselves in protests around his house for five days. They stand outside of his house, barricading him in basically with their bodies, and they protest him for five days. He comes out on the fifth day, and he threatens to kill them all, if they don't go away. But remember, the Jews at this point, they're willing to die for their beliefs. We are not going back into exile. Death is better than going back into exile. And though we will not go all zealot on you and intentionally attack you because we think that's a lost cause, at the same time, we're willing to die for our beliefs. They basically stared him down and all of them basically took the clothing, their robes, from their neck and they pulled it away from their neck and they tilted it sideways and they said, go ahead and kill us. Strike us down right now. Dare you. 
And the implication was, remember when Archelaus intentionally angered people just so that he can kill them, and then he eventually got sacked by Rome? So Pilate, you're intentionally angering us, and now you're going to kill us? We dare you. That's basically what they were saying. Because when, when Caesar finds out about this, you're so screwed. You're so in trouble. And so they pulled it, and he was so wowed by their bravery and their willingness to die that he basically backed off. He took the Roman standards down and the protest was basically removed. And that was one incident where they got really riled up. Another time, he took funds from the temple treasury to fund his building of the aqueduct. So the aqueducts were those large, like they look like little bridges going through the land of the Roman Empire. And they bring water from springs from city to city to city. And so he wanted to build an aqueduct, but he took the money from the temple, the, the, the money that goes for the sacrifices that are supposed to go to God. So this angered the Jews big time. And once again, they begin to protest. And this time, he sent his Roman soldiers disguised as Jews and members of the crowds. And he sent them in among them, and they began to pretend like they were protesting. And then when he gave the signal, they took cudgels out, and they began to beat the Jews down, killing some of them an inch of the life of others. So he beat them down and drove them away. Then there was another time, this guy's got a great track record, there was another time where he brought shields in with Tiberius's name on them. He brought them in to Jerusalem, but he removed them when they protested to Tiberius. So this time they said, um, we'll go to Tiberius. And you're no friend of Tiberius, Caesar. And we'll go to him and tell him that you're disrupting the peace by doing this. And he was like, oh, okay, don't do that, don't do that, I'll take them out. He, there was times that he thought he could get away with it and beat them down. And there's other times he was scared of getting sacked by the Caesar for disrupting the peace. And so he was on very thin ice with the Jews and Caesar with the way that he conducted themselves. This is why when you get to the trial, like all three of these incidences have already happened with Pilate. And this is why when you get to the trial, Jesus, uh, we'll talk about this in a lot more detail when we get to the book of Luke, but in gist, and, and I'm going to really nutshell this, but we'll get more in depth when we get to the book of Luke. And just basically what's happening is for a long time, the Jews are like, we love Jesus. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't care about Jesus' innocence in any kind of way. He's proven this already with the way that he conducts himself. He doesn't care about truth. He doesn't care about justice. He doesn't care about Jesus. He's just another Jew who cares if he lives or dies. But he's on such thin ice by Jesus' trials that he, all he knows is that for the last several weeks, the Jews have loved Jesus and they've been crying him as king. And so all he knows is if he kills Jesus and Jesus is truly innocent, this might cause a rebellion of the Jews. And they can go to Caesar and say that Pilate intentionally killed Jesus to make them mad. And then they're gonna, they're, they'll do a rebellion and he'll have to kill them. And this will get him sacked. He's on such thin ice that he doesn't think he can survive another rebellion of the Jews that he has to put down, knowing that he's the one that caused the rebellion. But at the same time, if they want him crucified and they want him dead. So what do you do with that? They all want him dead and he doesn't kill Jesus. Then they might rebel 
and if they rebelled, and he's the reason they rebelled, and he has to kill them all, and they'll go to Tiberius, and da 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 da. And so he's like in a rock and a hard place. He's got to figure out: should I kill Jesus to stop the rebellion, or should I let him live to stop the rebellion? And that's why he does all those things. That's why he flogs Jesus. Well, this will make them happy. Um, because now I'm not killing him, but I'm not letting him really totally live and go on his own either. He lives, lets Barabbas go. Remember, Barabbas is a zealot, and they hated Barabbas because Barabbas caused so much trouble for Israel attacking realms. But now they're willing to let this like psychopath, serial killer zealot go instead of Jesus. So everything he's doing, and then finally when he says, I'm not going to kill Jesus because... That's what I've determined. They're like, you're no friend of Caesar. And when they said you're no friend of Caesar, that's basically their version of, we're going to tell Caesar that you're causing a rebellion and you're going to have to kill us now and you're going to get sacked. All of that trial has nothing to do with justice or truth or innocence in any kind of way. Everything about it is Pilate just trying to keep himself from being um, fired, from being sacked from his position of power and just trying to figure out what the Jews want. And like I said, we'll go into detail more when that, when we get to the book of Luke, because we'll actually go verse by verse and talk about what's going on there. Um, but that's the political climate. Now, after Jesus' death, he actually figured that one out well, that they actually did want Jesus dead and they didn't rebel. But after Jesus' death, he messed up again and he went into Samaria and he brought graven images into their temple and that angered them and they rebelled and he killed them all. And then Rome was like, we're done with you. And they sacked him and they got rid of him. Prefect. That shows you what thin ice he was on during the time of Jesus' trial when it came to this. So remember, Rome was walking this delicate balance of we don't care about killing tons of people to keep the peace. But we also don't want to kill tons of people and disrupt the peace. And so all this was just very political eggshells for some people in different provinces, depending on the time period and the people and all that kind of stuff. Overall, the prefects, especially Pontius Pilate, worked very closely with the Sadducees. That was one of their jobs to work closely with the Sadducees. And Pilate actually had one of the best relationships with the Sadducees of any prefect before him or after him. It was his job to appoint the high priests. Tiberius believed in allowing high priests to maintain their power for longer than just a year. Valerius Gratus was a prefect before Pilate, and he's the one appointed a high priest by the name of Annas. And he's going to last from 6 to 15 AD. And that's longer than any high priest has lasted for a couple generations in Israel. And he installs him as a high priest and gives him a lot of authority. He partners with Annas. Annas is now then replaced by several other priests, high priests very quickly in the next couple of years. All these priests are relatives of Annas. They're his nephews or they're his brothers or they're his sons. They're mostly his sons. And they're going to get replaced pretty quickly. But then his nephew Caiaphas is going to be put into power. And Caiaphas is going to stay there for a very long time, longer than any high priest has. And he is going to be the high priest of Jesus' trials. Now, if you remember in the Gospels, you read that Jesus is standing before Annas and Caiaphas. And you might be confused, like, wait a minute, Caiaphas is the high priest, and Annas used to be the high priest a long time ago. Why does Annas have any kind of say? Well, Annas 
was like the godfather mafia leader. He was like the head of the family. And every high priest after him had been one of his sons. And now the new high priest was Caiaphas, his nephew. And all these high priests and all the priests looked to him. Even though Caiaphas politically was the one in power, Annas was really the one calling the shots behind the scenes. Caiaphas always looked to Annas and always sought Annas' approval. And everybody else did too. And everybody knew that. Even Pilate knew that. So technically, Annas was like the big shot mafia boss, so to speak, behind the scenes that called all the shots, even though Caiaphas was the one who officially had the title high priest. So when Jesus was under the trial, going through the trials, it was really Annas that was doing this. And Caiaphas would publicly do the interrogation, ask if you're the king of the Jews. He was the one who declared Jesus blasphemy and that kind of stuff. But Annas was probably would have been standing there the entire time over his shoulder, nodding his head in approval or disapproval or whatever, calling the shots. And they all worked together. When Jesus went to the trial, that's how it would have worked. 